Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Drew Welch Project. And we are back. I am still your host, Drew Welch, and I am joined today by a member of the Fanatics, the creator of Dolphin's Dad Joke of the Day, everybody's favorite follow on Twitter, Brian Bernsey. How you doing today, Brian? Drew, I'm really good. My name is actually Brian Byrne, but I like to have a little fun on Twitter, so <laughs> feel free to call me Brian Bernsey. I, I will respond. I'm really... Uh, Really honored to join you and excited to talk some Miami Dolphins football with you. Yeah, it should be a good talk. Not as much going on as I expected this week, but I think part of that's because we're not getting as much news out as we normally do because everybody can't watch and tweet and do all the stuff that we saw, like even last year, practices, you know, seeing tweets come out about, oh, so-and-so is in really good shape. There were some comments made about Devontae Parker and what he looked like in camp last year, and I don't think we're seeing any of that. But we do have a little bit of Dolphins news to go through and some yeah. things to talk about. I think a part of that is they actually haven't even really started practicing yet. They're basically just – right now they're in the conditioning program of, of training camp, which is non-pads, non-shells, just socially distant stretching. They do get to do some walkthroughs at the end of practice, but not to – you know, like if this was last year, they would be going full on two, three days a week and – we're just not getting that. I don't think the reporters actually jump in until the pads come on on August 16th. Okay. But, but I do know the NFL also made rules about the tweeting and all that during practices this year. They're not going to be able to tweet. And so that's going to be interesting to see, say the least, as far as entertainment value versus years in the past. Because I know a lot of fans don't get hyped up over the preseason. I but a lot of us do as well. I think my boss will be very happy that there won't be live tweeting because I'll be much more, much more attentive during the day at work. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, that is fair. I think that, it, that is something we all kind of do a little bit. But, I mean, how long does it really take to check Twitter out? Unless you go down a rabbit hole. Oh, I go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do quite a bit. So let's hop on to the first item on the list. They had two wide receivers opt out, Hearns and Wilson. So some of the interesting facts with Hearns and Wilson are not only did both of them opt out, Hearns I think had two years left on his deal, Wilson had one, and I don't think everybody quite understands how – the opting out work. So before we get into what that means to the team, uh, would you mind explaining to the audience what goes into opting out and what that actually means for the season? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first, the first bit to touch on is their stipend. So any player that's not in high risk that decides to opt out, they are awarded $150,000 stipend. That does not mean they were given $150,000 to opt out. That means they have $150,000 loan to next year's salary. The other real big part about it is, is if so Albert Wilson restructured his deal this year and became a one-year deal. 
So that does not mean since he opted out that that is the end of him in a Miami Dolphins uniform. That means that his 2020 deal now moves to 2021. So whatever he was signed for for 2020 is now what he signed for for 2021. It's just basically like a, like a space holder. And the other, the last aspect of it that I think that is really important is any base salary that you had coming towards you in 2020 is now cap room for the team. It does not count against this year's cap. It will count against next year's cap. Um, we saw in Buffalo that because of so many opt-outs, they decided to pay Stefan Diggs more guaranteed money this year because they had that leeway to get it out of the way in the books. You know, next year's cap is going to drop due to, to no fans in the stands. So it's just going to move on to next year. I, I got something else on what you just said, but wasn't there a difference in how much you got as far as opting out or not? Depending on yep, the... It, yeah, if you are a high-risk player, being asthma, being maybe you have somebody at home with emphysema, something along those lines, some of these 350-pound men who have breathing problems, uh, they would be high-risk. So they would get a $350,000 stipend, which, again, is just a loan, um, compared to the 150000 So billionaires are doing what billionaires do. You still got to pay the money back at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So there, there are some interesting aspects that go into moving things around. And I know the Dolphins are in a really good position cap-wise. So the fact that they actually had Albert Wilson and Hearns move to next year really is kind of irrelevant in their case because they're just going to roll it over. And they paid everybody a lot up front. And I think that's one of the interesting aspects to look at currently rolling into next year is there's a lot of teams that are really tight on cap space. So if it drops $20 million, they've got to start cutting players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you, you notice like this year, the New England Patriots were cap strapped, but then they had eight players opt out. And now they're among the league, the league's leader in cap space with about $40 million because they had high-budget guys like Dante Hightower, Cannon, uh, Chung, who all opted out, and that no longer counts against this year's cap. But it will come back to haunt them next year because I believe the CBA agreed to let the – there's going to be a reduction in salary cap, but it's I think they're going to allow it to roll over like five or ten years to kind of take away the loss of $3 billion that they're going to make at the gates. Oh, wow. That's that's money, money. Yeah. That's like six times more than Patrick Mahomes makes. Exactly. exactly. I, I'd, li I'd like to be where that math is actually comparable, though, where it's single-digit <laughs> times more than what I make, you know? <laughs> okay, so one of the things that came up that we, we've kind of seen on Twitter is people trying to act like insiders by connecting dots. And putting mm. things together and saying, okay, well, historically, this guy played with this guy. And it, I think it was a lot easier to do that when Adam Gase was in charge. Because Adam Gase would bring a guy back that had been out of the league for 87 years. And, you know, he, I'd have to get off his walker to come walking back in. But he had played with Gase. So Gase would want to bring him back in. And you see the same thing going on with the Jets. But this regime doesn't necessarily work that way. Have you kind of noticed the same thing? 
Yeah, as far as who who might be rumored to take on Albert Wilson and Al and Alan Hearns' spot, or yeah, is that what we're referring to? Yeah, I I don't see, I don't see that connect the dots. I the other thing that I think we really got to look at is we did we did lose two two pretty big receivers. They accounted for um, about seven hundred and fifty yards last year. You know, a few touchdowns. They were they. Were, Going into the season, they were probably our third and fourth wide receiver, which to some teams might not sound like a huge loss, but when you run a Chan Gailey spread offense, it's a pretty big deal. But that being said, we had a couple guys in camp who were who were ready to take that that leap. Isaiah Ford came out at the end of last year. He had, you know, almost 250 yards receiving. We had Gary Jennings, who we signed off when um, Seattle let him go, he didn't play much last year, but he was very productive at Virginia Tech. He is just perfect for that slot role that maybe out that uh, Albert Wilson let go. Um, we also signed a really, really, you know, when you say undrafted free agent, I think, you know, most people will just be like, yeah, we'll forget about him in two weeks. But we signed a really talented undrafted free agent, Kirk Merritt. This guy was a, a five-star recruit. He was the spark recruit of, of the year back when he came out of high school. Very talented guy, runs a 4'3", six foot tall, all muscle. I mean, Lance Zerline said he's the, he's the most a- athletic prospect he has seen. So uh, we have some guys ready to fill in. But yeah, currently the guys that have been rumored to, to come to Miami aren't the the connected dots guys. People have been talking about Chris Hogan because he's a connection with Shane Gailey. I uh, haven't heard a lot about him. He's a little bit older at 31. We have talked about Ricardo Lewis, who was in camp most of last year coming back. He was an early cut this year. Chester Rogers started some for the Indianapolis Colts the past couple of years. He's been rumored to bring in. I'm honestly more looking for – so when you run a spread offense, you can't come into camp with eight guys. You have to have 10 guys just because of the amount of time these guys run. I don't know if we'll have the splash signing as much as we're going to have the camp bodies to, to, to take some routes, to, you know, just to be on the field and, and be able to fill in when guys need breathers. Uh, I, I agree. And that's something to think about is some of the undrafted free agents we've seen in the past, like uh, Jay Ajayi have come through. Albert Wilson was an undrafted free agent. So there are guys that come in and do end up being pretty big sparks. You know, Preston, Preston Williams. Williams. Yep. <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> but, uh, yep, he's, he's a good one. I mean, he, he's a prime one. And that's one thing we may see is them carrying an extra receiver just for the first couple of weeks as Preston's trying to get his sea legs back. But, That's the million-dollar question because it has been rumored will Preston Williams be available for Week One, uh, which would definitely throw a wrench in all of our plans if Preston's not out there. Because you know now you're looking at Devontae Parker and maybe Jakeem Grant on the outside, Isaiah Ford at the slot. Not ideal. So we'll have to see what Preston's health looks like going forward. Yes, and even if he is a hundred percent healthy. If you look at, like, Jakeem Grant last year, he really just got it back towards the back half of the season. Same with Albert Wilson. They, they, they weren't the guys they normally were coming back from those injuries early on. And then I think one of the things that hurt Jakeem 
and I think in most years there there had been a chance at playoffs. I don't think Jakeem would have ended the year on IR. But those are the things you see is, okay, does some of that happen? And I guess that's really the, the next thing to look at is where's Preston Wilson at and what does that do to everybody else? Because the team's looking to get faster. I think that's one mm-hmm. of the ma- major goals they have. And like you said, Merritt ran a 4-3. Yep. So you, you, you got him and Jakeem Grant you can line up. And then Matt Breida, the cheetah. So you, you're going to have him on the outside along with Jordan Howard pounding the rock on the inside. That speed, I think, is going to be one of the most advantageous things the Dolphins are looking to do right now, which is essentially with that spread offense going to be a big part of what they're trying to do. How does that spread offense and kind of that theory, what do you see that doing to opening up defenses for Chan Gailey's offense? So one thing I I would like to touch on too is, I do think we're going to transition to more of a speed game, but I think that speed game is going to happen more when we switch to Tua. That's what Tua's game is. He hits people on slants. They run 80 yards. Fitzpatrick's, that's not really his game. You know, his Fitzpatrick really likes the tall receivers. He's not going, you know, Fitzpatrick's not going to out throw corners. He's going to give his receivers a chance to throw it up and make a play. I think early, if, if Preston struggles, I would be surprised if we see Mike Kosicki move outside. You know, a lot of his snaps came last year at the slot. I see him getting a lot of snaps, you know, offline at the slot this year. You know, and then like you said, Matt Burita has that ability to split out. He is a good route runner. He can catch the ball. I brought this up on a podcast a few weeks ago. He hasn't had a lot of balls thrown to him, but he's caught 86% of all passes thrown to him. So, you know, that, that speed's going to help. Even Jakeem, Jakeem Grant has, you know, he's excelled more on the outside than he has on the slot. So, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. You know, and Chan Gailey's going to keep him guessing. You know, he doesn't, run a, he doesn't run a complex offense, but he moves things around a lot. He, he gives the defense a lot of different looks in the same package. So, you'll be seeing guys, you know, all over the place trying to get – the matchup they require. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I expect, honestly, I expect Mike Gusecki to look about 60% like a wide receiver this year, especially as we start developing guys like Kirk Merrick, Gary Jennings. You know, Gary Jennings is another really fast, tall wide receiver. Um, so as he gets 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 used to the offense and gets used to, to playing against NFL-level competition – but I, I think Kasiki could give them that, that leeway why they, why they get their sea legs under him. I agree with you 100%. Another guy that is on the roster is uh, Matt Collins, who they grabbed last year. I don't think he had much game time, if I recall. Yeah, he played in all of four games, started zero. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. want to say that was towards the back end of the season as well. So... I'm just kind of, oh, zero targets. Yeah, zero targets, zero <laughs> catches. <laughs> but but he is on the roster, and he may be one of those, you know, guys that is just a camp body like you referred to. But he's also 6'4". Mm-hmm. So he fits kind of that mold maybe for a Fitzpatrick, throw it up, give my guy a shot, and maybe, you know, goes a little further with him. 
I think one of the interesting things that we're going to get to see this year is because the secondary that Miami is developing is going to be so good, it'll push the wide receiving core more than they're used to being pushed. Yeah. But I think that back and forth is going to be fun. Now, I think one thing that's going to tear us up as a fan base as a whole is the cuts. Because we're going to see some cuts we don't like. We see them every year. I mean, I can't say I've ever seen a fan base more upset about long snappers in my life. But that's how we roll. <laughs> but we but we love John Denny and we love Tabor Pepper. You know, yeah. obviously decisions had to be made. And the Dolphins looked at it and said, we have a six-round pick. Let's pick a guy we know is going to make the roster. We want to get younger everywhere. And that's what they did. I know with them cutting – let me look up his name. I believe it was Avery Moss, who was actually started eight games last year. Yeah. You can see that they're not they're not the same team we're used to. They're not the old Adam Gase era of, you know, we, we hold on and take care of our guys. We yeah. cut, we cut, we cut. So can you think of any players off the top of your head that – and I'm putting you on the spot here. Yep. that maybe don't make the roster. Can I backtrack for one second to you? Just go back to what we were just talking about and not to, not to throw you off. But no, the no other problem. thing I think, the other thing I think we should look for at the beginning of the year, especially with a couple games early in Florida with week two and week three in Florida, without having those wide receivers available and, you know, no preseason for these young guys to get to go it. We went out and saw Jordan Howard. We went out and saw Matt Burita. We're going to pound the rock and burn the soul out of the Bills and the Jaguars. And, uh, you know, I think you're, you're going to lean heavy on that. We also – we got that tight end, Shaheen, who is just an enormous human being that could take over on the inline blocker for Gesicki as he goes out to wide receiver. So I would expect – you know, it's going to be preseason those first four weeks, but I would expect run heavy in Florida those first four weeks while we figure out what kind of – what we have at wide receiver. Based on your question uh, on the people that are that are going to be upset about the cuts, the, the one cut that I'm really looking at that I don't see how they don't make, but I'm a little sad about it, is Sam McGuavin. He played his heart out last year. He's an underdog story from CFL. But when I'm looking at the linebacker core, I just don't see how this guy makes it. You know, um, he's a true middle linebacker. Uh, he's not the best at coverage. Um, our run-stuffing middle linebacker is going to be Raycon McMillan. We added so much at linebacker with Van Noy, with, uh, you know, Van Ginkle's coming back from a – from mainly being injured last year, Beagle stepped up. We had Gruger Hill signed. We had um, – why am I forgetting the last one? Anyway, we, we signed another guy on top of Hill that I, I just see it's going to be really hard for the Guavin to make, make that roster, you know, with – Baker coming in, Baker taking a bigger role. So there's a guy I see that's going to be going to be a tough one to stick. I think it's going to come down. There was that guy, the defensive tackle Siler that we signed late in last year off of Baltimore. He 
you know, he showed flashes of, of a lot of skill position, a lot of flash plays last year. But we brought in Raekwon Davis. We brought in Ray Smith. We bought in two really good undrafted free agents. And again, we say undrafted free agents, but we had two, <laughs> we had two really priority free agents and Benito Jones and Tayshawn Render. So those are big guys that are gonna that are gonna push for playing time. So he might be somebody. The last guy that I would say that might be tough. I don't even remember his name because he changed over the all season. I think he was Jamal Wilkes last year, but now he's Jamal Perry. He played quite well last year. You know, if we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, there would be a wide receiver on this list that uh, <laughs> pit, I would that would piss people off. But uh, I don't think we have that flexibility anymore. But yeah, that would be the the three or four guys that I would be looking at that right, that might make not make it. I, I would say another one that who, who did really well last year, but would be McMillan seeing the bubble because of how they value versatility. Mm-hmm. And that McMillan's really good at his as a run stopper, but at the same time, when if there's somebody that is even close, but has more versatility, I think the staff would would lean more towards that because they like kind of that shifting role, making the QB feel uncomfortable. If you look at the way Beeflo ran his defense, both in Miami and with the Pats, it's not a defense that you're going to get a lot of sacks in. They don't care about sacks. They want the quarterback to feel very uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. and that's their goal with the defense. And a guy like McMillan that's kind of a one-trick pony may see himself from the outside looking in. But at the end of the day, you still got to stop the run. So if you don't have somebody who can do that, he makes the roster. Yeah, um, that I would I would disagree with that on on that basis. So last year we were 30th against the run and there's right. We had like Baker, a good, a good comparison to breaker to Baker is Hill, you know, a good comparison to Beagle is Van Ginkle. There is no body behind um, Raekwon McMillan, who is a two down run stuffing true middle linebacker. Um, His PFF grade last year for, for, stopping the run was among the top in the NFL. I think it's, he's going to be a little bit more dominant this year because he's going to have a lot more in front of him and he's not going to be, you know, block taking up those blocks with uh, Raekwon Davis coming in, Shaq Lawson coming in, Ogba coming in because these guys are a bit pass rushers, but they're also edge setters. So I think he might see some more freedom, but yeah, with, with that run block, run stopping ability and no true, run stuffing middle linebacker I would think he's safe but you know then again I I wouldn't be surprised the the thing we saw last year too is like if you're not in the top 40 on this roster be afraid because they (laughs) churned they churned the bottom 10 guys on a weekly basis you know Uh, and I I think that's one thing that's kind of Ad, everybody's, you know, with the COVID list and all that, we'll get that here in a second. But everybody, you know, is really worried about, well, what if, you know, they, they have, have players test positive and they have eight like we just did, and we'll get to that here in a second. But what are they going to do? They're going to do what they did last year. <laughs> They're going to roll in eight guys off the street and somehow figure out a way to make it work. 
the difference is that core nucleus is understands enough at this point to get they're starting off kind of where they ended last year which is yeah. getting used to the defense i mean because they were putting in a completely new system nobody was used to it nobody was used to working together last year which is part of what took so long i do think one thing that will hurt the dolphins this year is lack of preseason games because they won't be building that same chemistry together as you normally would Everyone says the lack of preseason games, and it's obvious. So like, it definitely does have an impact. But I think even more than the lack of preseason games, it's the lack of extensive training camp. You know, like, we would have been in training camp the last week of July, and we'd have padded practices, and we'd be getting real looks at these guys. Training camp doesn't really start till August 16th. It's going to end a week before the, the season starts. So, like, not only do we miss those – those preseason games, but we're missing probably three weeks of like real football practice. And like, you know, Preston Williams flashed last year in preseason, but more so he flashed in training camp by Xavier Howard being like, I can't block this guy. He's a true number one, you know, you know, we had OJ McDuffie on a couple of weeks ago and he was like, you know, that's where I earned my, my keep. We, I was going against JB Brown and Troy Vincent every week in practice and that's where I, I got my reps, you know. So those few weeks of missed training camp, I think, is more so. You know, like, we've seen the preseason guys. There was a guy last year, I forget his name. I think he was number 73. He, like, led our preseason in sacks, and uh, he went on to the XFL. He didn't make the team. You know, like, a couple yeah. years ago, we had Stringfellow. I mean, had almost 200 yards receiving in the preseason. He didn't make our team. The where you make this team is in that training camp. So, like, the other thing, too, on the training camp is, you know, you have a very limited amount of reps. So, are you going to be giving the looks at the sixth offensive tackle? Or are you going to be really trying to get Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt in shape? You know, like, will you still have that flexibility to be giving these bottom of the roster guys the reps? Uh, that's a good point. And I – with that, they do like to look for diamonds in the rough. They, they've proven that over and over again. We didn't – we saw a lot of churning on the offensive line last year, but not really from a whole lot of bottom-edge guys. And I think that may have been one of the reasons why they went a different direction with the offensive coordinator is because he did kind of tend to stick with the same guys and the same format throughout the entire season. And I guess nobody really understood the offense – unless it was a 40-year veteran that graduated from Harvard, was the only guy who could actually grasp the, the offense. And if, if that's the bare minimum requirement is 20 years of playing and a Harvard degree, it's, most players are not going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> but to roll back into the COVID list, so I think there is some confusion on what the COVID list is. By the way, when I saw the COVID list of people who had been put on the COVID list, you had mentioned that it was going to be a really busy day possibly with opting out. And when I first saw the COVID list on Thursday, I thought that was actually the opt-out list from the Dolphins, and I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> I was like, the entire team left? <laughs> but to the, uh, to the point of the COVID list, would you like to explain kind of what the COVID list is? Because I think some people think it means you have COVID. Yeah, it absolutely does not mean that. To, so, first of all, just 
from a HIPAA standpoint, the Miami Dolphins cannot come out and say without permission that people have COVID. When you're put on the COVID list, all that means is that you A, tested positive for COVID, or B, you were in close proximity to somebody on COVID. We saw that the other day with Gardner Minshew. He was on the the COVID list for like 48 hours. Uh, We saw that the other day with Malcolm Perry. He was added for 36 hours and then he was off. But yeah, it just means that you were in con you're in close contact. And we did put a lot of guys on that list yesterday. Some big names. We had Shaq Lawson added to the list. We had Raekwon Davis. We had Benito Jones. We had third round pick Brandon Jones. We had fourth round pick Solomon Kidley, undrafted free agent Kirk Merritt, all added to that. So again, it doesn't mean they have COVID. It just means they were in contact with them. I believe you have to get two negative tests before you can get off that list. But I mean, like this week, we've also had Jerome Baker on that list, Malcolm Perry on that list. And if you're counting, that's eight guys on the list. So like, if this is Thursday and we're prepping for a game on Sunday, on top of your normal injuries, adding eight guys to your injury list, is, it's going to be rough. You know, I, I think that has a lot to do with why we added so many players to the practice squad. We, we took away the limitations of moving guys from the practice squad to the active roster without, you know, having to, having to have them clear waivers. So it, it's going to be fluid. It's going to be fluid all year. Uh, there's going to be a lot of movement, and that's going to be kind of interesting. I do think that kind of works towards the Dolphins' favor rather than against. Again, because this team, like you said earlier, churns the bottom ten. They're, they're, they're going to churn. You may come back. You may not. You don't know. But they're going to Yeah, they're we saw that turn. with Cordea. We saw that with Cordea Tankersley. He was added to the list. When he got taken off the list, he was cut. <laughs> <laughs> that guy cannot catch a break. That's the first thing I, I thought when I saw he was on the COVID list. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This guy can't get off the freaking can't play list. Well, I definitely think Tankersley's gone for good now because they they released him off of IR last year, decided not to play him then. So I do think, you know, best wishes for him, but I don't think it's going to be in a Dolphins uniform. Yeah. So that is all I had for today. Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on? Yeah, the one thing I think that we could look at too is like a few guys that are going to benefit from this. So due to the lack of preseason, due to the shortened camp, I would probably say Julian Davenport on a normal season probably doesn't make this roster. I would say Danny Isadora, you know, Julian Davenport was our starting left tackle for eight games last year. Danny Isadora, we traded for, he's a veteran guard. He probably doesn't make the roster in a normal scenario, but because that, that learning curve is going to be pushed back for Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt. You may see some guys that you might not have expected, like Julian Davenport start the year. Uh, You might see some guys like Danny Isadora start the year over Solomon Kinley. I I wouldn't really, the, the one thing I would say is I wouldn't hold that against these rookies. I would just say that, you know, it's a really crazy time. They needed a lot more reps before they were ready for NFL ready before you were like trusting them with Ryan Fitzpatrick into a tag. Uh, the other thing I would 
I would get to know is that bottom, that bottom 20 guys of the roster, because even though they may be cut, you're going to see a lot of them come back because this, this is, I don't think it's going to be as bad as the 87 strike season, but you're going to see a lot of fluidity. It will look a lot like last year. I mean, I think we, we rostered a league high 90 players last year on our 53. So be prepared for that. But, you know, no matter who lines up, I'm really excited to see that, that dolphin jumping through the sun, some aqua and orange, even if it's in front of no fans at the hard rock, like let's get some football back. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely ready. I think we all are. Before we go, I will throw one more player out just to get the audience to completely hate me. Yeah. And that is a, a, another player that may be churned in that bottom half, and that is the intern. Patrick Laird. He, he did pretty well last year, but he was a bottom-tier guy on a bottom-tier team with a rushing attack that was led by Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard. <laughs> so, so it, it we need to that's one of the things that we do is we get attached is we, we kind of don't look at things with reality reality is the running game was not that good last year so any running back the o-line was horrid too i'm not gonna so you can't put it 100 on the running backs there was nobody blocking but we have to remember that going in that some of these guys that we like are going to get cut and it it can't be helped. And a lot of them, just like the guys that got cut last year, may not see another NFL roster. Uh, TJ McDonald's, from what I've seen, I still don't think a team's picked him up the last time. I haven't looked in a month or two, but. Nope. Walt you know, Aikens is another one not on a roster. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of fan favorites that just, you know, we get attached to, we see him play kind of well, but they're just, you know, it's just not their career anymore. But. And it's not to say anything bad or wish them wish anything bad on them. We hope the best for them, but it's just the reality of what you are and aren't aren't going to do the rest of your life. And I, I would definitely take one year of getting those checks compared compared to what I make. So there is that. Do you see? Do you see Belage making it over Laird? As a short yard back one yard or less third and one type back possibly uh if that's kind of the role they decide to have him play other than that no i mean Belage was uh, last season was rough i'll leave it at that and uh, that's another reason why i'm kind of wondering if that, that's part of the reason the oc left because he kept just throwing Belage. i mean you never hope for anybody to get injured i mean as a fan but it seemed like there was no way anybody else was going to get carries over Balage until he ended up on IR. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Laird. I'm leaning towards Laird just because he's a do everything back. He can, he can catch, he can block, he can do special teams. Uh, I think they like his attitude, you know, like high, high motor guys, high integrity guys seem to really win the favor of, of Brian Flores, you know, Caelan Balazs' body English wasn't great last year. He didn't do a lot great. I think he was outperformed by Gaskin and Laird. I would see him the odd man out. Um, but, again, I, I mean, with those, we talked about this last week with a few other guys, you know, Laird, Gaskin, Balazs, we could find somebody on someone's practice squad. We could see, 
you know, like Washington has 36 running backs in camp right now. Like maybe they cut Bryce Love, but maybe that's an improvement over everything we have. So, you know, again, with that bottom churning of the roster, I do think Lord, I think, think Laird's a, a coach favorite, but yeah, nothing's guaranteed. I'm worried about my guy that I'm worried about is Chandler Cox. Fullbacks don't really – I love Chandler Cox. I love that we drafted a fullback. But we drafted a fullback for the Patriot system. Chan Gailey doesn't lean heavily on a fullback. Uh, and we signed Eland and Roberts. That was the, uh, the, the linebacker I yeah. couldn't think of. But uh, he plays some fullback. Uh, some of our tight ends could play fullback. So I'm a little worried about Chandler Cox, especially if – you know, like the guys that are most susceptible to COVID are your big offensive linemen, your big defensive linemen. So I could see him, you know, maybe giving a spot, giving that fullback spot to an extra alignment or an extra D tackle and letting Elandon Roberts get that limited fullback role. I'd hate to see it, but he's definitely a guy that I, I like who I'm not, you know, I wouldn't bet on making the roster. Yeah, and those are the guys that are rough is the guys you're seeing, not the guys that, you know, you're kind of – you were okay for them to leave last year, like, you know, the entire O-line. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, they did the best they could. They were just not it. And th they did the right thing, and they they're finally going to be a decent O-line, hopefully, for this team. I do think with what they're at, they've added for the O-line, the excuse for running backs is going to kind of go away. Because you are right. I believe they are oh, going to yeah, pound the rock, especially early on as everybody's getting used to everything and the team's building up chemistry and they're not getting the game reps. And they're going to – I don't see a lot of substitutions happening the first couple of games because because they they haven't worked a lot of that stuff out. I believe uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick touched on that when he talked with the media that, you know, a lot of the other things that we don't think about during preseason games are swapping out personnel – making the calls, getting in the huddle, all that, all on a time frame. And it's a lot easier to do that. You, it's hard to simulate that in practice. Yeah. So that's going to be some of the stuff we see. So I can see a lot of lining up, run the ball, run the ball, see where we're at, especially the first couple of games, and essentially doing what we saw Fitzpatrick do last year, which is basically taking the offense over. And he's very familiar with Chan Gailey. I, I know a lot of people aren't happy, weren't happy with the uh, Chan Gailey move because of his age, but I don't know what that has to do with calling football plays. I mean, there's only so many football plays you can, you can call. And one thing he's always done, though, is pound the rock. You look at all of his seasons as an offensive coordinator, as a head coach, they're going to run the ball. Yeah, he's always in the top ten in running the football. And I think that's what Flo wants to see because Flo's a defensive-minded coach. He wants to put up more points than the other team. He doesn't care if they put up 45 points. He just wants mm -hmm. to put up a significant amount more than them. So if they only score seven points, being up 20, 21 to 7 or 24 to 7 is not a bad way to end a game. I think definitely we're going to see, you know, we're going to see that scaled back offense that first month. You know, like as they're – as they're instituting these plays in limited practice and preseason, you know, we're going to see a lot of just one-on-one -on -one battles. Let's see if Jordan Howard can run over people as we get to know this offense and this, and this offense gets an identity. But at the beginning, it's going to be very simple. 
avoid mistakes and pound the rock and we'll see what happens in the second month of the season but you really got to look at September as a as long as it happens as as preseason yep so we are in our uh, that that's going to be what our our first four games of the season as an extended preseason which essentially turns us into a 20 or we we've now had 24 preseason games is what it kind of feels like as a Dolphins fan because we all knew what last year was about. Last year was about trying to win, but it was about improving the roster and fixing the bottom line. So for us, it's been a long time coming, but it is good to get back to actual comp- competing in football and actually looking forward to a season as a Dolphins fan instead of hoping for a good season. I think we know we're building something and we're I, – I didn't think I'd ever be happy to say this, but I would be really thrilled with a 9-7 and seven season this year. Definitely. And now, if you asked me that same question two years ago, I'd, I'd, I'd have probably thrown my computer. <laughs> and if you asked me that question two years from now, I'll be pissed off. <laughs> yes, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Nine and, we need to get out of nine and seven, seven and nine hell for sure. All right. Well, that's all I got for you. Any final words for the crowd? Nope. Just uh, let's give all the Dolphin fans a fins up. Thanks for having me. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on. Fins Dolphin up. Man.